Hi, I'm Akina. And I'm Laurel. And this is Jane Austen Culture Night. In this week's episode, you will find perfect love letters, grieving brothers, and loud whispers. There will be spoilers and maybe some cursing. This week, we're reading the last two <laughs> chapters of Persuasion. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we just need to get right into it because I just have feelings and yeah. stuff. Let's it feels very unusual. I feel like I'm not really a feelings person. <laughs> um, can you explain like the first page to me? I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's my stupid cold or something, but I'm like, what is she talking about? Um, okay, so uh, it be so chapter 23 begins with one day. Um, had passed since Anne's conversation with Mrs. Smith. So this is the conversation where she finds out about Mr. Elliot. Yeah. And then, um, so she's had some time to like marinate on it and she feels, uh, she's talking about how like, you know, Mr. Elliot's conduct doesn't, doesn't affect her at all anymore. Like she's, um, completely, uh, immune to his charms basically. And um, but she regrets still not having been able to go and tell Lady Russell all that she knows. Yes. She's still the only okay. one that knows the full truth about everything. Yeah. Um, and uh, so she's supposed to go and visit the Musgroves like she promised to go and visit the Musgroves in the morning. Um, and that's an, like why she can't go. And it's like raining or something yeah, in the morning yeah. she talks about. Um, and so she feels – but she's still able to to walk. Like it's not raining too hard that she can still walk there, which is kind of an unnecessary detail, but whatever. Well, I think it's <laughs> – maybe it slows her down. So by the time she gets there, like there's a bunch of people Yes. There. Oh, and it might also be a reason why she wouldn't have visited Lady Russell earlier that morning. Uh, like if it was raining yeah. harder earlier that morning, she's like, oh, let me wait for the rain to die down. And then by the time it does, it's already time to go see the Musgroves or something. Yes. Okay. So um, – yeah. And so then she goes to the Musgroves and finds finds that, oh, yeah, she's not the first to arrive. In fact, there's already like a party going on. Um, the Harvilles are there. Captain Wentworth is there. Um, yeah. Everyone's hanging out at, at the Musgroves. Except Mary and Henrietta had left. And I don't know why they were supposed to wait for Anne, but they left without her. I don't know if they were going shopping or something because they were there to buy wedding clothes. Wedding clothes. Yeah, I think they went out to to do the shopping for wedding clothes or something, and they were eight, waiting for Anne for a little bit, but but then they um, just left without her and mrs musgrove is like so happy to see Anne, and she's like come sit by me and tell me about all the things and um and Anne is like immediately plunged into the conversation between mrs croft and uh, mrs musgrove and they're talking about henrietta and the engagement and they start talking about how it's better not to have long engagements (laughs) It was so funny. I feel like this is the part where I was 
I figured out what was going on because the first two paragraphs, there's a lot of like pronouns, like she and her and references to her friend. And I was like, which friend? Yeah. She has two of them. <laughs> yeah. I know it's confusing because she was just talking about seeing Mrs. Smith and then Lady yeah. Russell and then Ms. And then Mrs. Yeah. yeah. It's you're like, wait, wh- who? What? <laughs> yeah. I was just like, wait, am I reading this right? I feel like I got the gist of everything. Yeah. But yeah, I love this passage where like, So she's like kind of sitting in the middle of the room or something on like Captain Harville and Captain Wentworth are like working on some letter Mm -hmm. or something or like they're talking in one corner and then Mrs. Musgrove and Mrs. Croft are like in another corner and like Mrs. Musgrove is like supposedly whispering, but it's the kind of whisper that everyone can hear. (laughs) But she was like just in line with Mrs. Musgrove, who I... I kind of love Mrs. Musgrove. She's fun, yeah. (laughs) She's so fun. She's so sweet to everyone. Like, I don't know. It's just, there's nothing to really complain about with her. Anyway, except she does shout whisper. (laughs) And she interrupts Mrs. Croft in this section. She's like, Mrs. Croft tries to make a comment and she's like, oh, yes, I always say long engagements. It's the worst thing ever. Like, she's so excited and into what she's talking about. She can't. Yeah, she's trying to explain, like, the ins and out of, like, all of the conversations around Henrietta's engagement to her cousin. Uh Uh-huh. And... And, like, how she was talking to her brother about the engagement. Because her brother is, of course, the father of Henrietta's fiancé. Yes. Because they're cousins, again. Yes. <laughs> and and um, she's just, like, and Anne is just, like, oh, my God. Mrs. Croft must be so bored because, like, no one gives a shit about the intricacies of this situation. Mrs. Croft doesn't know any of these other, like, extended family members. Yeah. I've been in many yeah. a conversation like this, usually with my parents. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, they're like, did you know, like, did you know about so-and-so? And you're like, I don't care. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so Anne is just, like, listening to them shout whisper. And she's also, like, a little, isn't she a little bit worried because she's, like, they're talking about engagements and yes. no one else here knows that like I was secretly engaged to Captain Wentworth and like he's across the room. So yeah. hopefully he can't overhear what they're saying. So even before they start having the engagement conversation, it says two minutes after her entering the room, Captain Wentworth said, we will write the letter we were talking of Harville. Now, if you give me some material. So he like uh, intentionally says, OK, I'm going to go write my letter now. And, like, goes to the other side of the room. So he's, like, avoiding looking at her or saying anything to her. So he's on the other yeah. side at, like, a writing desk writing some letter. And then, yes, they he at, – at one point, they're talking about the long engagements. And oh she kind of instinctively looks over to him and he – drops his pen and looks yeah. at her for a moment and they have and oh yeah <laughs> <sighs> yeah there's nothing to say which is very exciting <laughs> yeah so um so then like the women are just talking and they don't realize what has happened the mo no one sees oh, the no. moment between Anne it's and Captain Wentworth. yeah but 
Then Cap- Captain Harville. Yeah. Captain Harville is there, and he's been. Um, he was just waiting for Captain Wentworth to write a letter. Yeah, so um, he looks at Anne and is kind of like, "Hey, yeah. come, come over here, talk to me." So she moves over and talks to Captain Harville. Yeah. And she's, yeah, he's by a window seat and he's just like kind of cocking his head over and being like, hey, come over and hang out with me. And so um, she goes to sit next to him and Captain Harville looks very, very serious. And I don't know if we've talked about him that much lately, Mm -hmm. but we remember it's his family that Captain Bennock was living with in Lyme and why why Captain Wentworth went to visit and then why everyone else came yeah. to visit. <laughs> because um, his sister, Captain Harville's sister, had been engaged to Captain Bennock and she passed away six months ago. Right. Um, and he pulls out of his, like, pocket or something and it's like he shows... Um, and a miniature painting when it comes close mm-hmm. and when she comes close and he's like, do you know who this is? And she's like, yeah, that's Captain Bennick. And oh my gosh, I don't know if I can explain what happens next. It's so sad. <laughs> he tells uh, Anne that Captain Bennick had sat for this painting and had it commissioned, had it done for his sister. Um. And then before he could give it to her, she passed away. And so now he's wanting to give it to Louisa. And he asked Captain Harville to, like, get it framed so that he could give it to. So uh, Captain Harville's having some feelings about this. (laughs) Yeah. His, like, best friend who he's been, like, living with for months and was engaged to the sister is like oh this present that i was gonna give to your sister can you like fix it up give it to my new wife get it set for my new fiance yeah and his sister had only been dead for six months yeah so Captain Harville's like, oh, I don't know how to feel about this. This is a little bit uncomfortable. He's, you know, and he's talking about his sister. He's like, my sister would not have forgotten him so easily. On the one hand, like, I understand sitting for a painting and like ha- commissioning a painting. Like, that's something maybe you can't do twice. Um, but, you can totally do that twice, but I mean, you know, it it's was... an expense. It's a whole thing. Okay, but they're rich, are they? I'm not Captain Bennick's not rich. Yeah, he's rich. He's just not as rich. Or no, Captain Harville, I think, is the least wealthy uh-huh. because I, I think it goes. Captain Wentworth is definitely the most wealthy. Yeah, but I think Captain Bennick did have money. Like he was. He was in battle with Captain Wentworth uh-huh. in the East Indies. Mm. I don't remember. We don't know. In France, maybe. I don't know. There, there was some. There was some um, colonial money grab that happened with the both of them. Sure, I think. Um, yeah, and this was made, they say it was made at the Cape. So I don't know, where, it doesn't say which Cape, but I'm, yeah. Anyway, 
So it was he hadn't made abroad. Um oh. and yeah. Yeah. Oh, so while he was out at sea, he yeah. had done, and then he was going to bring it back for her, and then he finds yeah. out she had passed away. That's oh yeah, oh no, that's so sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can. I. Oh yeah, I would have feelings about that too. <laughs> I think. Yeah, and it's like you're right. Like it's. Even if he gets another artist to do it, it sounds like this was like a really good portrait. Uh-huh. And so, and it is the kind of thing that's meant to be given to like a loved one. Right. <sighs> but Captain Harville is essentially about to cry, or maybe he is crying. He says, with a quivering lip. Yeah. He added, poor Fanny, she would not have forgotten him so soon. Yeah. And Anne is like, she says, no, in a low feeling voice. That I can easily believe. Yes. So he's, and and it's hot, it's tough because he's like, I'm happy for him. I yeah. don't like wish them any ill will, but you know, it's his sister and it's still, yeah. it's tough. He's still grieving himself. Yeah, it must feel like another loss to be like, oh, like everyone's moving on and like I don't have her. Right. He can't just move on to a new sister the way someone can move on to a new fiance. Yeah. 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 It just reminded me of like the past time in my life where like someone I've known has passed away Mm -hmm. and then like you just walk around. And like you see people like mowing their lawns and stuff, and you're like, "Yeah, wait, why are you doing that? Don't you know this person died?" And you realize like they're all just like life goes on, yeah, yeah, and it's weird. It feels yeah. like it shouldn't. It feels like yeah. everything should stop. And yeah, 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 it's it's a very strange feeling. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so. Captain Harville and then Anne end up talking about like whether men or women love more Mm -hmm. because when Anne was like, yeah, I can believe that Fanny would not have forgotten him. um, Captain Harville says it was not in her nature. She doted on him again. I'm probably going to just like read out this whole I I assumed that that would happen in this episode for sure. I was like, once we get to the letter, are we just going to read it? We're just going to do a dramatic reading of the whole letter, I think. (laughs) You're going to have to do it, and I'll just be like crying like (laughs) Mrs. Musgrove in the background. Um, Captain Harville says like, it. oh no. So Captain Harville is like, yeah, she really loved Captain Bennick. Of course she wouldn't have. Yeah. Um, forgotten him and Anne was like but it would not be in the nature of any woman who truly loved yeah and Captain Harville says do you claim that for your sex and right he's kind of Anne smiling said, like teasing her he's yeah like oh you're yeah all. they're both smiling yeah and like gently teasing and this just shows like how wonderful Anne is like she is like in there with Captain Harville's feelings mm-hmm. Like it must, she must be like a very warm person for Captain Harville, who doesn't know her super well, to feel like he can like cry and tell her like how he's really feeling. Yeah. To her, and then she's like kind of pulling him in this direction of like arguing about whether men or women love more, mm-hmm. and they're both kind of smiling about it, but 
they just it just feels like maybe it's also safer ground yeah for him not even for her because of course her love of her life is like sitting nearby yes so yeah they go they go back and forth about you know who who has the strongest feelings and you know captain harville's explaining like i wish that i could convey to you what it feels like to leave behind (sighs) your wife and children and sail off thinking i'm never i might never see them again and then how much joy you feel when you come home and you do and um which i thought was such a sweet um yeah yeah, passage and then you know and saying um yes like of course you can have strong feelings but like women suffer because we don't have any uh we're stuck at home we don't have any occupation we can't just go off and like be distracted by our work or other pursuits. We like just sit at home and think about the people we love. And so it, you know, we suffer in that way. And so they're going back and forth in these different scenarios. Yeah. Then they, he also brings up this interesting point of like, he's like, well, men are stronger physically and like the body and the mind are connected. Therefore, like men have stronger feelings. Right. And she's just like, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> she's like, well, women live longer, so our feelings so we, last so we love the longest, basically. Yeah, and yeah, I just thought that was an interesting moment that goes back to the whole like my preoccupation with like their ideas about like eugenics and stuff like that, where it's like, like, or how even just, just compa- how the body works and the the science yeah. of psychology and physiology and everything yeah yeah but just comparing like a strong physical self to like the mental mm-hmm. self of a person mm-hmm. and i found interesting and you can still i mean i feel like you still see like hints of that at least in self help books yeah. which are like which is interesting even today mm-hmm. Because obviously I totally disagree with that. But anyway, yeah. um, but it's just like these like weird ideas that have just been like floating around in the ether for right. centuries now. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, so so they're just like chatting away and he oh, Captain Hen- Harville is like, yeah, obviously this task is way too hard for me. Yeah. So ca- my so Captain Wentworth has said that he'll be in charge of getting this painting like set yes for me and that's what he's and doing he's writing the letter that's what he's writing the letter yeah. and so he's like oh are you done um he asks captain wentworth and captain wentworth is like oh i just need a few more minutes and captain harville is like okay yeah take your time i'm just here sitting with miss elliot and um we're having a great time talking. And then they kind of go back to their argument yes. and Captain Harville again brings up like, I could bring you 50 quotations in a moment on my side of the argument, but I have, I don't think I've ever opened a book in my life, which had not something to say about women's inconsistency. Mm-hmm. And then Anne is like, uh, yeah, because they're all written by men. Right. All those books are written by men. So the books don't prove anything. Right. And then Captain Harville is like, well, how do we decide which one of us is right? And Anna's like, um, 
we can't. We can't. Yeah, <laughs> like because we're both going to be biased to our side, and we only have our our own life experiences that we're filtering everything through. So it's impossible. It's it's one of those philosophical questions, you know, that doesn't necessarily yeah. have a right or wrong answer. But eventually, um, you know, they get to this point where um, Anne's like, you know. Of course, um, men have very strong feelings. I would never say that they don't. The only thing, she says, all the privilege I claim for my own sex, it is not a very enviable one. You need not covet it. Is that of loving longest when existence or when hope is gone? Whew. And uh, and Captain Harville is it kind of gives up at that point. Is wiping her eyes. Uh, um, yeah, Captain Captain Harville gives up at that point, and he's like, "You're you're you're a good soul, Anne Elliot, and the, you know, there's no yeah. quarreling with you." And and then he says, "And when I think of Benedict, my tongue is tied." So he's like, "Yes, I wish him well," and. You know, there's nothing to do. Yeah. Um, And it's obvious. I think maybe by that point, Captain Harville picks up on the fact that like Anne is talking about personal experience. Yes. Because she said she could not immediately have uttered another sentence. Her heart was too full. Her breath too much oppressed. You could imagine her saying that last line with a little bit of a catch and her voice breaking a little bit, you know. Yeah, and because she does say, like, we if we don't have books to, like, back us up, we have, like, our own stories and the stories of our friends, mm-hmm. but we can't sit here and compare stories about our friends and, like, betray anyone's confidence. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, no way to really hash us out. Yeah. And so I think then, like, a few paragraphs later, bringing up Loving Longest, mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure that... Um, I'm sure that meant something to Captain Harville. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there, Anne is talking to Captain Harville, and they're on a window seat. Captain Wentworth is at a desk, and she's pretty sure he can't hear them the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, she's like, I feel like that's why she's being as open as she can be to Captain Harville. Yeah. I think she would have, like guarded herself a little bit more if she thought Captain Wentworth could hear. Right. Um, Especially because Mrs. Croft and Mrs. Musgrove are talking so loudly on the other side of the room. So then um, Mrs. Croft gets up to leave and she calls over to her brother. She says, hey, Frederick, um, you know, we're we're leaving. I'm going to go home. And she talks about the the party that she was invited, that they were invited to at um, Anne's house when Elizabeth and Sir Walter gave them the invitation. And she's like, Frederick, you had an invitation too. Like, are you going to go? And he doesn't really answer or he, he kind of like, it's inaudible. So Anne doesn't know if he's, and if, if (gasps) he said yes or not, Um, like he kind of says, yes, he got an invitation, but, but he doesn't, clarify whether it means he's actually going to go um yeah and and then he's like oh we're coming soon i'm just finishing up this letter he's like getting ready to go and folding it up um and yeah yeah because he's it sounds like he and harville are gonna go deal with the painting Mm -hmm. next and yeah so so mrs croft leaves and then um 
Captain Wentworth is like sealing up the letter he was writing and is trying to leave too. And Captain Harville is, uh, you know, says good morning to Anne and is leaving as well. But, and it's just like, you can tell really grateful for his conversation with Anne, but Captain Wentworth just kind of like runs out of the room. Yeah. They said he, he's got a, um, hur- a hurried and agitated air and with impatience to be gone. And he doesn't, and then he, he had passed out of the room without a look, not a word, nor a look. <sighs> Get the tissues ready. So Anne, like, kind of starts moving closer to the table where Captain Wentworth was at, Mm -hmm. um, just, like, kind of walking around the room now that her, um, like, her friends have left. Um, And all of a sudden she hears, like, a commotion. She realized Captain Wentworth came back in the room and he comes back into the room and says like oh my gosh sorry I forgot my gloves and he like walks back to the writing table and he's standing with his back towards Mrs. Musgrove and he draws out a letter from under a piece of paper on the desk and he places it before Anne with eyes of glowing entreaty fixed on her for a moment and then he gets his gloves and he runs out of the room again and like it happened so fast. Mrs. Musgrove like didn't even kind of realize he was in the room before he like leaves the room. Mm-hmm. Um, but Anne notices. Yes, and she's like, "Oh my god, she's got a letter!" And then she tries to take the letter. Um, uh, to she's like, "Is anybody watching me read this letter?" Like everybody else seems engrossed in their own thing. So she's like, "Okay, I'm going to read this letter now," and. This is the letter. I should I just read it? I mean, yes. oh my god. Okay. All right. So this is the letter. <clears throat> so wait, this is a letter that he was he so when he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm writing this letter about this portrait." Yes. He had also written a second secret letter. Uh-huh. And this letter looks like uh like it's very, very quickly scrawled. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. So that time when he was writing the letter, this is when this happened. It's like passing a yes. note in class. Like, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Like I'm just writing my notes for class. No, I'm also writing a note in class. Yes. Um, okay. So this is the letter. I can listen no longer in silence. I must speak to you by w- such means as are within my reach. You pierce my soul. <laughs> I am half agony, half hope. Tell me not that I am too late, that such precious feelings are gone forever. I offer myself to you again with a heart even more your own than when you almost broke it eight years and a half ago. Dare not say that man forgets sooner than woman, that his love has an earlier death. I have loved none but you. <sighs> unjust I may have been weak and resentful I have been but never inconstant you alone have brought me to bath for you alone I think and plan oh my god (sighs) have you not seen this can you fail to have understood my wishes I had not waited even though these 10 days could I have read your feelings as I think you must have penetrated mine I can hardly write. I am every instant hearing something which overpowers me. You sink your voice, 
but I can distinguish the tones of that voice when they would be lost on others. Too good, too excellent creature. You do us justice indeed. You do believe that there is true attachment and constancy among men. Believe it to be most fervent, most undeviating in FW. Ah! His initials. Ah! I must go uncertain of my fate, but I shall return hither or follow your party as soon as possible. A word, a look will be enough to decide whether I enter your father's house this evening or never. Oh, my God. Is this the best letter ever written? Yes. (laughs) I mean, I don't. It blows all competition out of the water. I mean, how how could I mean? (laughs) it's exactly what Anne says such a letter was not to be soon recovered from (laughs) yes it's like she needed is like she needed it was she says like she needed to half an hour's solitude might have tranquilized her yeah but she only had a few minutes before she was interrupted and like she was still thinking about everything when Charles, Mary and Henrietta came in and then they're like all coming in and wanting to talk and tell her where she's been. And, you know, these are not like a sensitive people. They're, they're like a lot of energy and, and like, and Anne, a lot of, they're like talking and talking and Anne can't focus or hear anything. Anyone's saying like everyone's words become like, wah, 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 wah. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie Brown. (laughs) The adult and Charlie Brown. And so then they're like, Oh my God, she looks like really sick. Like, or like she's very ill. Has Anne been taken ill? She looks weird. And she's like, you know what? I think I need to go home. And Mrs. Musgrove was like, oh, my gosh. Yes, we need to send you home. We need to send you in a chair, which, again, a chair <laughs> is when, like, is, like, four men just walking around holding back, a chair, holding a chair, and you, like, sit in the chair, and then they just, like, walk you around town. And Mrs. Musgrove is like, we need that for Anne. And you can see it's kind of interesting how, like, yeah, like, brain injuries are talked about in this mm. book because because Jane Austen makes a reference to Mrs. Musgrove thinks only of one sort of Ill- illness yeah so she is like oh my god did Anne also like hit her head is she like fallen ill we need to send her a doctor and right she's like heightened she now thinks of Anne truly as like a member of her family as a daughter yeah. and she's like traumatized really, really- by what happened to Louisa yeah, and so Anne has to assure her, like, no, I didn't have a head injury. Like, I didn't slip down. I didn't get a blow on my yeah. head. I'm, I've had no fall, and make like kind of makes her feel better. And she's just like, I just need to walk home because she's hoping to not get in a chair. She's like, if I walk, then maybe I'll run into Captain Wentworth, yeah. and I need to get out of here and see if I can find yeah. him. Um, and so she convinces her not to get a chair, but, um, uh, Captain Harville, no, not, is it Captain Harville? No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. It's, um, Charlie, her cousin, uh, Mary's, Mary's husband, Charles, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but before that, there's like this point where she's like, um, I'm where Anne says like, okay, I'm going to leave yeah. and I'm going to relax so that I can still make it for the party tonight. Right. 
And I feel like there was, I think she says like, I think there was a little bit of a commotion earlier and I'm not sure if Captain Harville and Captain Wentworth are coming to the party. And can you make sure to please tell them both that I would really like to see them at the party. Yes. She's like, Mrs. Musgrove, please tell them. Yes. That I will see them at the party. And, and yeah, like, Mrs. Musgrove is like, oh, I'm sure he wants to come. Yeah, Captain um, Harville's always up for a party. I'm sure he said he would come. And Anne's like, no, I need you to promise me to tell both <laughs> Captain Harville and <laughs> Captain Wentworth that I want to see them at the party. <laughs> she uses like the word promise a couple of times yes. at least. And she's like... Yeah, and she's like, I need you to tell them because she, like, Captain Wentworth very clearly says in his letter that he, like, needs a hint from her where her feelings lie. And she's like, he needs to know, like, that I want to see him because he, like, just left. And I think Captain Wentworth was just thinking, like, okay, I'm going to just run this errand with Captain Harville. I'll come right back and then I'll be able to, like, see Anne at the like mm-hmm. with the Musgroves and kind of figure out what's going yeah. on. Um, but she won't be there. Right. So she wants to, she wants to like get this message to him. She doesn't want to leave anything to chance, yeah. but she kind of has to leave. Cause Mrs. Musgrove is like, yeah, of course. Like they're going to come. Don't worry about it. And I'm sure Captain Wentworth does too. Like, and so she's, she can't like say anymore without saying too much. So yeah. she's like, okay, but she's still worried. He's not going to really get the message. Um, and then because she's so sick and looks so ill, they're not going to let her walk home alone yes. where she can run into Captain Wentworth. And they're like, oh, Charles, Charles, you can walk miss Anne home and he's like okay like i um i was about to run an errand but like i can walk her home mm-hmm. and she's just like fuck no i don't want to <laughs> walk home with you i just want to be able to walk around by myself like the i need to get out of here being a regency era woman like you can't yes. walk i just want to walk home by myself <laughs> so although fun. think of it like today where I don't know. I'm like, has much changed? I don't know. (laughs) I just like advise. I was just like advising a friend who's going to meet up with someone that they like about an apartment that they found on Craigslist, and I was like, okay, just remember to turn your locations on so I can see where you. I know. I know. (laughs) Anyway, so she's um right. So she's walking out of the apartment, and then who do they come upon? So his captain went. Yes. So they and he just like walks next to them without really saying anything. Yeah. So she's like, oh, my God. Okay, great. This is happening. And then um, Charles is like, oh, Captain Wentworth, which way are you going? Are you going towards Camden Place? And he's like, I I hardly know which way I'm going. And he's like, because if you're going past there, you know, I can let you take Anne. Uh, home i was just walking her home but you could take her and then i can go do my errand um he wants to buy a gun (laughs) he talks for like a whole paragraph about the gun he wants to buy he's like there's this guy who's gonna sell me a gun and i'm supposed to go meet him i can still make it if you take Anne instead it's a really great gun and you shot one like it when you visited he's definitely mrs musgrove's son (laughs) he's like just talking about something that no one else cares about but here they are, serendipitously. They end up walking together. 
<sighs> and they definitely don't go to her house. They just like find this like kind of secluded park that's empty because it's like an odd mm-hmm. hour of the day. I think it's like a late morning or something. Yeah. Um, and so they just like hang out and like kind of walk in circles and just um, talk a lot. Yeah. Oh my God. So they start talking and about the past and um we find out that yes um captain wentworth was jealous of mr elliot and that's why he like was having all those mood swings and why he didn't immediately sort of um come to Anne and let his feelings be known and um oh and we also learn about what happened with louisa um, yes. And that he did just overhear her talking to Captain Harville. <laughs> yes. That he, over- which he kind of says in the letter, of but course, yeah. yeah. So he had heard their whole conversation and that's what gave him hope, gave him the, the courage to speak and say like, you know, it's now or never. And, um, and yes, so we find out about what happened with Louisa. He was like, I was angry. I was resentful and so I was like flirting with Louisa and Henrietta and I was just like um you know I realized too late that I had paid them more attention than I should have because I wasn't actually serious um and then when Louisa had the accident he was like oh no I he realized then that people had been talking about him marrying um, one or other of the daughters and so then when louise especially louise especially because henry henrietta eventually got engaged to um her cousin and yeah. <laughs> so then uh so then when louisa had the accident he thought well i can't leave her now i am bound i'm duty bound to stay with her and that was one of the reasons why he left and didn't stay by her side the whole time he was like oh man if she uh recovers and she still wants to get married like i have to say yes because i'm like honor bound to this because i i you know everybody is thinking this otherwise i'm like a big jerk for like leading her on um yeah. And then when he says, you know, once Captain uh once he finds out about Captain Bennick um being engaged to Louisa, then he's like, "Oh my god, I'm free." Like yeah. he feels like, "Yes. I now I can go to Anne and that's when he comes to Bath, but then immediately he sees Mr. Elliot." And so, yeah. <sighs> There's so much like talk about like what they were both thinking at different times and how mad they were at each other at different times or how Captain Wentworth was mad and Anne was just sad or something Um, and how Captain Wentworth had just like convinced himself that she didn't care about him and and then she... um, yeah, and he said it was a couple things that really made her him realize that she was still the person that he wanted to marry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a tiny bit of seeing Mr. Elliot in Lyme as well and seeing like seeing how other men were starting to treat Anne. Yeah. 
um, made him jealous and that like made him realize that, those- yeah, that he still had feelings for her. Yeah. And just also seeing how amazingly she conducted herself at Lyme mm-hmm. when like when everything was falling apart and she kept the whole family together and the whole party like she took care of Louisa and everything. Um, so they talked for like quite a while. Um, and then, uh, they go to the, they, he kind of leaves her at her parent, at her dad's house. And then they have the party in the after, in the evening. And, um, she's just so happy at the party and she's glowing. Um, and she avoids Mr. Elliot, but she pities him. Uh, the, and just like everyone that normally annoys her, like Lady Dalrymple and her sister and Mrs. Clay and her father, it's like they don't matter anymore. She doesn't really care. She's just focused on um, on like Captain Harville and Lady Russell and Admiral Mrs. Croft, especially like she's like, oh, soon I'm going to be like. Cap- like I'm this as good of a sister family. to Captain Harville. Yeah. yeah, this is my family now. And like obviously also like she's chatting with the Musgroves um as well, but she's just like focused on the people she cares about. Mm-hmm. And then they do get a little bit of a chance to talk. Yes. Um Captain Wentworth and Anne, they're pretending to look at the plants. Yes. And um she's like, you know what? I've been thinking about things and I think I'm, I'm actually like, I'm okay with the fact that I turned you down eight years ago. I think it would, I think it's better this way. Mm -hmm. Um, which I kind of feel like is like a little bit of a harsh thing to say. Right. (laughs) But she was like, that was my duty. Like Lady Russell is as good of a parent to me as like my father. She was, she was like a mother figure and I was young and I yeah. valued her opinion. Like, and I, I, yeah. yeah. And so she does, she feels like she was right to be persuaded by Lady Ruth. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about persuasion in this, mm-hmm. on this page. And he was like, but wouldn't it then be your duty to marry Mr. Elliot? And she's like, yeah, no, it's not my duty to me- measure someone who doesn't actually care for me and just wants to, like, yeah. get, and, like, he's just paying attention to me so that he can get his fortune right. or get the land that he wants. Um, and the circumstances it, are different now. She's, she's, yeah. she's her own woman. She is much older and more self-assured and feels like she has the right to make her own decisions. Um, you know, and she's hoping they talk about lady Russell a little bit. She's like, I'm hoping in time you will see that she's a good woman and that, you know, you'll, you'll get along. And he's like, I'm not quite so ready to forgive her as you are, but I will treat her kindly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and then he's like, you know what? I could be, like, really, really, really mad at her, but I have a question. Like, if if after a year or two of our engagement breaking off, like, if I had, like, when I came back to switch, to England to switch ships. The first time. And I just had, like, a couple, 
Yeah. And I just had like a, a very small fortune, like just a couple thousand pounds. If I had written to you then to like ask you to reconsider, would you have, would you have? And she was like, oh, definitely. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, I would have definitely jumped at the chance to be engaged with you. Like my feelings never changed and I regretted. Yeah. And, and he was like, so, so he really takes a lot of the blame. Yeah, so he he's says like, oh like God, you know I what? I can't like, believe it. I should have, like, I thought about it. Don't think I didn't think about it. And he regrets yeah. not doing that. Cause he's like, I, yeah, he's, both of us suffered so much longer. Yeah. He's like that, that could, that would have six years of separation are on me. Yeah. Like two are on lady Russell and six are on me because I, I should have just like, just gone for it and not been so angry. Yeah. He says, I was proud, too proud to ask again. I did not understand you. I shut my eyes and would not understand you or do you justice. This is a recollection which ought to make me forgive everyone sooner than myself. <sighs> um, so that's the end of chapter 23. And then chapter 24 is like very short. It's just like four pages and it's just essentially like wrapping up this story and it says like it tells us what happens to everybody yes it's that um you know they're very determined to get married and nothing can stop in their way and if no one does like sir walter's like fine also like i've taken a few more looks at you and you're kind of hot so you're <laughs> it's okay that you join my family and he has money so that's like the most important thing um it says Captain Wentworth was no longer a nobody. He was now esteemed quite worthy to address the daughter of a foolish spendthrift baronet <laughs> um, who had not the principle or sense enough to maintain himself in the situation in which Providence had placed him. Um, so that's, oh my God, that's burn. so smirky. <laughs> Such a burn. <laughs> It says, who could give his daughter at present but a small part of the share of 10,000 pounds, which must be hers at, Here. hereafter. So he, like, can't give her the full amount that she's due, but um, just part of it. Yeah. And then he's, like, not, you know, he's not really a dad to Anne, but he's just, like, happy that there's a match. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, not going to stand in the way. And Lady Russell... There's like such an interesting paragraph about Lady Russell and just like about how Anne knows that Lady Russell must be suffering some pain in understanding and relinquishing Mr. Elliot um, and to do justice to Captain Wentworth. So it's like Anne is like having to um, Lady Russell is like having to like kind of flip in her head like. Yeah. Who's hot and who's not. Yeah. <laughs> she was fully expecting and rooting for Mr. Elliot and Anne to get together. Yeah. And she was thinking it was such yeah. a perfect match. Yeah. And she had been unfairly influenced by appearances in each. Because remember, happened, uh, Anne kept yeah. getting delayed in being able to tell her about what she learned yes. of Mr. Elliot. So she didn't find out until later. Yeah. And it's all very, very new. And so... Um, Captain Wentworth's manners had not suited her own ideas mm -hmm. and Mr. Elliot's manners had precisely pleased her in their propriety and correctness, their general politeness and suavity. And she had been too quick to re in receiving them as the certain result of the most correct opinions and well-regulated mind. Mm -hmm. So again, 
like kind of like we this kind of mirrors the like mind body connection but like the manners versus like true character of a person like lady russell is like conflated the two and this is showing her that like manners doesn't mean much except the fact that you have good manners yeah and that they can be used to easily deceive people yes yeah and but there's this really sweet line in saying lady russell was a very good woman and if her second object was to be sensible and well judging her first was to see anne happy Mm. so and she loved anne better than she loved her own abilities and when the awkwardness of the beginning was over, she found little hardship in attaching herself as the mother to the man who was securing the happiness of her other child. That's so really sweet. Because she loves Anne so much, she's like able to get over her feelings and really concentrate on seeing the best in Captain Wentworth. Yeah. Just seeing how much he loves Anne and just starting to treat him like almost like a child of hers. And she's willing to be wrong. He's yeah. willing to admit that, yeah, I misjudged this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we kind of go into. Um, oh, then Mary is like thrilled. The big news. Mary is thrilled, although she's like a little bit sad that now she uh, she drops a level in the family order <laughs> again because she's, she's not the only married daughter anymore. <laughs> and yeah. Anne is older than her, so. Yeah, but she's really happy that Anne gets a really nice carriage. Yes. Um, uh, obviously, the oldest sister, Elizabeth, is just like shit out of luck yeah. because of what happens to Mr. Elliot. Yes. He was like, she kind of thought he was her suitor because um, the idea of someone choosing Anne over her just like never crossed her mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... It's wild what Mr. Elliot does And Mr. Next. Elliot is also surprised by Anne's engagement. Yes. But yes, what happens with Mr. Elliot? Oh, boy. So we find out that Mr. Elliot has quitted Bath and Mrs. Clay quitted soon after. And he has yeah. set her up in a place and is ba- she's basically his mistress. Yes. Yeah, in London. In London. And yeah, so oh, man, he's like, if I can't keep Sir Walter's single by marrying into the family and keeping an eye on him there, yeah. I can remove the object that I was worried about the most, mm-hmm. which is Mrs. Clay. So he like sets her up in London and um, Sir Walter and Elizabeth find this like shocking and mortifying that they lose both of yes. them together. Um, and also there's this lovely line where it says that, um, uh, you know, they lose their companions, um, but you know, they have their other people, their other cousins around them to interest them like Lady Dalrymple. Uh And they said, um, they have their great cousins to be sure to resort to for comfort, but they must long feel that to flatter and follow others without being flattered and followed in turn is a state of half enjoyment. (laughs) Um, And also Jane Austen leaves it up to the reader to guess like whether, whether it was a smart move by Mr. Elliot to remove Mrs. Clay or whether it was a smarter 
smarter move of Mrs. Clay to to get Mr. Elliot to leave with her because she still might be able to persuade him to marry her. And then she'll be the (laughs) mistress of Kella Lynch Hall as as soon as Sir Walter dies. So she would like kind of win out in the situation by like not marrying an old guy. Yeah. And still getting and still like having the fortune and like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this whole time, Mrs. Clay has been kind of like ditzy and a little, you know, I think she has been highly underrated (laughs) in her ability to scheme. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because she's like she's not as. um She's not as she's ranked so much lower than everyone else. So everyone just like she becomes like invisible and no one like assumes that she can be or even thinks about the fact that she could be smart as well. Right, And so Mr. Elliot thinks that he's playing both of them by, you know, it even says he's playing a double game by getting her away from them. But it's like she's actually the one who's making out best here. She's the one who's like just living off of these rich men (laughs) yeah um and then it says like Anne uh Anne has nothing to be sad about like of course she she does feel like she feels a tiny twinge that like she doesn't have as much money as Captain Wentworth but not really but she doesn't really have a family to receive him and estimate him properly. Yes. Nothing of the respectability that like he has with his Right. The way awesome... that she's received by his family and his friends. Yeah. Yes. So she feels like yeah. she can't give him that in return because her family's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Cause he has Mrs. Croft and yeah. an Admiral and and also the other brother that she gets along really well that lives in Shropshire, yes. maybe. Um, but it says she does bring to the union two friends which is lady russell and mrs smith and he's very he is very well disposed to attach himself um he he starts to value lady russell and just like um he can't go as far as to say that you're right that she is that she was right in originally dividing them but i think you know when you love someone and you see someone else who loves them and appreciates them it's like hard not to take that seriously and um yeah and be well disposed to like Mm -hmm. them then comes to maybe my favorite part in the book actually maybe even over the letter and maybe one of my favorite parts of like all jane austen Mm. which is with mrs smith he takes it upon himself to write everything that's gone wrong with her. Yeah. So he becomes her agent and he makes sure that she gets whatever property she's due. Mm-hmm. And, and she gets set up again and, and is able to have money again and able to heal herself. Yeah, her health improves. Yeah. I mean, she's like actually able to go to the doctor yes. now. Um, not just have like the landlady's sister drop in on her mm-hmm. and like when she has a moment. And um and then Mrs. Smith like doesn't change. She's like still like a very happy person getting 
enjoyment out of every little thing, but she still has, but the only addition is she has money. Yeah. So now she's able Um, to have much more comfort and, um, yeah. 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 Jane Austen makes like a really sly little note of like, Mrs. Smith's enjoyments were not spoiled by this improvement of income. (laughs) (laughs) Um, her cheerfulness and mental alacrity did not fail her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so she's happy and happy. Captain Wentworth is happy. Um, and there's really like, it just says that they're very, very happy together. The only thing that might ever mar their future is the fact that he's still a sailor. Yeah. And like, they're just hoping for peace so he can stay at home. Yeah. Which I, that is such a line to end this yeah. book on. And it makes it's kind of a cliffhanger. It's kind of a cliffhanger. Um, because especially because the readers, people who would be reading this book after the fact, like, know that very soon he will be going back to war. Cause like Napoleon is probably right now escaping from his exile oh and is going to come back. And so to end the book in that way, it's really like, we have all of this really wrapping up sweet, like, you know, yeah. um, romantic comedy, like everybody's married and everybody's happy. And here's, here's everybody getting what they deserve. And then you have this last sentence of like, but she is still a sailor's wife. And at any moment he could be called away to war. And then we don't know what and happened. And so it gives this really bittersweet moment yeah. to the, the ending of this book, which I think is so much the theme of this whole book is that bitter, that contrast between the 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 sweetness and the bitter and, and the sort of realities of having to live in that dichotomy and that longing. Yeah, definitely. Um but don't you feel like she's going to pull a Mrs. Croft and just go with him? Oh, yeah. In fact, I feel like doesn't in the in the adaptations, like don't they show in the end, like her being <laughs> them both being on the ship and like sailing away together? At least in the in 1994 the version or five. Yeah. yeah. In in the 90s version. I'm Yeah. It ends with them like sailing away on the ship together. And it's like this really nice. You're like, oh, they're sailing away together. And it's like, you know, sailing off into the sunset. And yes. it's very romantic. And I think I thought that that's actually what happened in the book. Like I was surprised that it didn't end that way. I was like, wait, don't they go, don't they say that she goes with him on the ship? But they don't. Um, They don't. Yeah. And at least again, I have not seen the recent, I have not seen the recent um, persuasion. They don't don't go on a ship in the recent one. They're like in a field. I did have a request from a listener that like, maybe I watch it. And then we discuss okay. it for a bonus episode. Yeah, that could episode. be a good bonus episode for sure. Yeah. But I would um, be very interested to hear your thoughts. It's <laughs> me screaming for 20 minutes. Um, what I love the 95 version, and of course I've said that a million times, but my one qualm with it is that it doesn't show Mrs. Smith making it out okay. Right. And I feel like that's so important to me. I don't know why. I I just remember like 
slowly falling in love with Andrew and and just like watching like how he took care of the people around Mm -hmm. him and stuff and I just feel like watching like how people treat others that are like considered beneath them or like that they're not getting anything out right there's no advantage relationship it's just so important yeah it's like being with someone who like doesn't tip at a restaurant Mm. or something or you know it's uh yeah because andrew has like a very dry sense of humor and i remember i feel like i've said this before on the podcast i remember when we were like oh my god we were just teenagers (laughs) back then but just like watching him joke around with his friends and being like oh, is he just, like, really mean or something? And then, like, but then seeing the way he treated, like, his little brother and the family dog and, like, even just, like, the friends of ours that were sent to Chungpyeong, mm. he would he would make them, like, he would send them, like, uh, peanut butter and um, comics and just, like, make care packages for people. Yeah. And it was, like, oh, he's, like, a, yeah. That really showed me, like, who he was. Yeah. And so to see Captain Wentworth, like, make sure that she got her slice of the colonial winnings. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it's just, like, this really romantic gesture even to Anne yeah. because it's he like, I know this person matters yeah. to you. And it's it's not a minor thing. Like, he has to do a yeah. lot of – he has to go out of his way to make this yeah. happen and advocate for her in court and write letters and – yeah. Yeah, it's like it looks like a lot of work. Yeah. And actually it kind of mirrors how Anne takes care of Louisa in Lime, where it's like it's like is like a similar thing where it's like you she has this bit of agency to like operate in this situation and like make these people's lives better Mm -hmm. and she takes it without any thought of her own like enjoyment or what she would rather be doing. Right. Which is the thing that Captain Wentworth admires about her in that moment, that she's just a, she comes to people's aid and, um, and is so, uh, nurturing in that moment and giving in that moment. So like, yeah, he's taking a cue from Anne here a little bit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's persuasion. I, that's that's it. That's the book. <laughs> Do you have any overall um, per- impressions? No, I wrote down in my notes good manners, but I don't know what I meant that's by that. When we were talking like, about Mr. Elliot having the good manners and but that not being reflective of his character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. I'm like is that what we were talking Maybe. about? I think so. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just such a sweet book. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's interesting how this kind of mirrors Pride and Prejudice in that, like, there's a proposal and it goes horribly wrong. Yeah. And then there's a period of time and then there's, like, another proposal. Mm. And I kind of really like that because I feel like most like romantic comedies i don't know i feel like there there isn't 
that so much. It's like, there's so much that's just like, oh, from the first moment you meet them, you fall in love at first sight. And then like, I don't know. Yeah. There is usually a moment where like something goes wrong and then they have to like yeah. find their way back to each other. But um, I it's, it's rare for, for it to be in this book, especially for there to be such a long period of time in between yeah. for them to have known each other for so long. But also for like, I feel like, I feel like it's rare for the engagement to go so wrong. Yeah. Like for them to like pop the question and be like, no. Yeah. And it wasn't (laughs) that. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like outside forces usually, or like some misunderstanding, but like in this, it's very clear that the like Elizabeth Bennett and like Anne Elliot, like are turning down these men. But Anne, Anne isn't doing it because she doesn't, love him and no. and is does have outside forces she does have outside forces but he doesn't it seems like he's not really convinced of that he's like oh if she really loved me she would overcome that yeah i think he yeah. he doesn't quite um and that's why he was angry so, for so many years and yeah. like not willing to come because he's mad at her he's like she should have she should have said yes if she really loved me. She would have. She would have overcome all of these um, doubts. And I don't think he fully comprehends the situation that she was in and having to turn him down and and having somebody who is like a mother figure saying, I don't know if this is the best idea for you, you know? Yeah. And that, and for him, it's easy for him to say like Lady Russell is bad and she has malicious intent or something. And Anne's like, no, she yeah. loves me and she yeah. is worried for me and wants to make sure I make the best decision and I trust her judgment. So yeah, that's a hard position to be in. And she was only nineteen. She was so young. Yeah. And her, like, the only person in her life who occupies that role is Lady Russell. And, like, how would you go against something she said? Like, she's the one you have left. Yeah, it's like, and that feeling of, like, having to, she probably felt in that moment that she had to choose between her family and Captain Wentworth. And it was like, how can I go against everything that I know and and the people who raised me and love me and yeah that's a hard thing to do yeah and it's like if she said no to lady russell would lady russell just like kind of leave her like she's not actually her mother would she be like so disappointed that she would just like totally withdraw from their relationship like yeah lady russell is tricky and that's a scary prospect too because she could very well risk being cut off like both yeah. emotionally and financially. And if Captain Wentworth yeah. can't support her, if he has a very yeah. small income, then what's she supposed to do? Yeah. Pull a Mrs. Clay and find a Mr. Elliot to yes. dupe. And it's all well and good to like, for him to say like, I'm going to make my fortune but you don't know. Yeah. You can't. You aren't necessarily in control of that. And you know, we'll see in other novels that we eventually read that there are women who made the choice to 
marry for love over without taking into consideration financial gain. And they end up living a life of poverty and a lot of hardship. So, so, you know, and that, that wears on your relationship over time, no matter what, no matter how lovey dovey you may have started. (laughs) Yeah, truly, truly. It, um, yeah, like how many men who are like 20 years old say like, oh, I'm going to go out and make and strike it rich and then don't. Yeah. I feel like it's definitely something that is said often. I I just always think I hate it when I hear people who like, quote unquote, make it big and especially in the creative industries mm-hmm. like music, film, art, writing, who like then get interviewed and say like, Oh, never give up on your dreams because like I almost did and look where I am now. It's like you think of like Yeah. That's the You made it, but there's like hundreds of other people in your situation yeah. who did it. That's called survivor's bias. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's just it always pisses me off. Yeah. Um yeah, because it's like maybe sometimes it is good i something i struggle with on a daily sure. basis it's like how much of your time do you give to something that has like such little um such little chance of like a financial safety well and net. i also think that there's a, a fallacy around how much success you have how much of it is actually a lot of luck <laughs> Yeah. And we think that it's like a true meritocracy where if I just work hard enough and do the best work, I will be rewarded. And like, no, that is not actually how it works at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like an inverse relationship. It feels like when you're like, yeah, it's really interesting and I feel like you can kind of see Captain Wentworth coming to that realization even as he's talking to Anne Mm -hmm. where he's like yeah I thought like I thought like I was completely right about everything and I'm realizing that like I had um yeah I had some culpability Mm -hmm. in this whole situation Yeah, again, I feel similar to Pride and Prejudice, and this may be a theme in all of the novels, I think, where, like, it's not just that they come together and have, like, that, the beautiful moment where it's like, yay, they're finally together, but afterwards they, like, hash out and, like, have a little therapy session about their past and what happened, and here's what was going on with me, and here's, you know, now I see things differently and I'm growing and changing. You're like, wow. (laughs) Yeah, and there's, like, so much introspection, especially among the men, that you're, like, I don't know. You get to see them grow Mm -hmm. in a really interesting way. Yeah, It like interests me. Like, I feel like their character gets so much more developed than your like traditional, like hero kills monster story. Like you can really see how these like men evolve as they get older. Yeah. And and Mr. Darcy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And in this novel, especially there's, so much of that theme of like, yeah, it's not just through the circumstances, it's through the time and and maturity. 
um, and their life experiences and being able to see them at one point in their lives and then later as they grow older um, and how they've changed. And Anne really goes through a whole journey here as well from the beginning of the novel till the end. She is sort of slowly growing her confidence and independence and learning to be more trusting of herself and her own feelings and intuitions and to actually like go for and express what she wants. Um, Yeah, it's it's really, you know, I think this is a really mature novel in a lot of ways. Like it's. Yeah. um, The themes are so much more nuanced than. you know, than a lot of the others, just because there's so much, yeah, even just all of the grief, all of the, the really like difficult themes that run through this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, Captain Bennick really doesn't come out well though. (laughs) I'm still mad about him. Like he could have asked Captain Wentworth to be in charge of setting the painting so thoughtless kind of like louisa yeah you know i never i i i didn't give captain bennick much thought i was like oh he's this bookish like sensitive poet and he seems like a good match for Anne. but then he falls in love with louisa and it's kind of just a side plot um but yeah it's kind of uh yeah, a little bit. I don't know if it's it's I can see where Captain Harville is having a a tough time with like holding yeah. those two realities at once of like yes, Captain Bennick is a good soul and a good friend, but how could he move on so soon? How could he how could he just and and he's probably excited. <laughs> for this new relationship um but yeah it's it's still even even being happy for him in this new relationship is a painful reminder of um his previous fiance and that relationship there's just there's so much duality in this novel of like holding these two the you know the pain and the the sweetness the half agony half hope that's what this whole novel is (laughs) Well, it's like, I almost like forgive him more easily for moving on because I'm like, I don't know. I've heard stories of people like losing their partner and then finding a new love really fast. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's like, it, you, you don't have that on a timetable. Right. Some people like never marry. Some people marry again within the year. It's just like very, life is weird. Right. But what I do hold against him is making Captain Harville be in charge of yeah. getting the portrait set because that's just a shitty thing to do to a friend. It's insensitive, yeah. And it shows it's that so Captain Benick is not necessarily thinking about Captain Harville still grieving for his sister, which maybe yeah. Captain Harville doesn't really show it that much to him. And so it's not as obvious, but yeah, it does kind of counter the narrative of Captain Bennick being like so sensitive and aware yeah. <laughs> of people's feelings. Yeah. In a, in, yeah. 
Yeah. It, it, yeah, he definitely starts to come off with me. I know we talked about this recently, but like, like those kind of art bros yeah. who like want to show you that they've read everything and seen everything, but it hasn't sunk down to their like psyche. It's like all at a surface level or something with him. Right. Or he's like a dramatic theater guy. And in a way he's, yeah, he's very dramatic and very sensitive, but he's, it's all inward. Like he's all, he's very self-focused on his own thoughts and his own grief or his own experience that he's not necessarily open to seeing what's happening with other people and how other people might be experiencing it or grieving. Whereas Anne is hyper aware of what's happening with everybody else and like stuffing down her own feelings all the time. Yeah. And I feel like that, again, makes it seem like Captain Bennock and Louisa would make a better match than him and Anne. But also, like, there is, like, a little bit more of, like, Louisa bashing in these chapters, which kind of pisses me off again, where it's, like, you know, she's, like, not, she's, like, her character is, like, I don't know. They just keep, like, I think it's Captain Wentworth just kind of, like, talks about how Anne is, like, has a better character yeah. and stuff. Where, and I'm like, yeah, he was talking about Lisa's like he was 10 years younger. Yeah, dude. He was, yeah. That part where he's saying that he admires, like he learned to um, admire Anne in a different way. He's comparing her against Louisa, who is like foolish enough, like her, her being like not very restrained and, um, you know, that's one of the things that led her to jump off and get a head injury. <laughs> it's like, it's like, give her a fucking break. I feel like we've all, as teenagers, or most of us have probably done something just as stupid as that when we thought, like, right. some guy we liked was watching. And yeah. Her prefrontal She's cortex like- is not developed yet. <laughs> Also, like, you can just say, like, like, I love you more than anyone else or whatever. You uh, don't and need I to, recognize like, this about your character because of the actions that you yeah. did. You don't need to compare it to somebody else and bash somebody else yeah. in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what really pisses me off. Like, I, and I feel like it's, again, like, I keep harping on this whole, like, these themes I pick up from Jane Austen, but just, like, like valuing people as if like each person, I don't know, has merits that make them more valuable than another person where it's like, there's no idea of like the fact that like we are all valued and like Louisa has just as much right to be loved as Anne Mm -hmm. and like maybe her character suits you a little bit less, but it doesn't mean that she's any less valuable as a person than Anne. Right. Oh, Louisa. <laughs> we need a Louisa fanfic from you. We need a side quest. <laughs> well, my version of fanfic is I'm like, oh, if I ever get like a little like yappy dog that like has a lot of energy, that would definitely be a good name that for would her. Be a good name. Like a little, or if you had like two little ones and they could be Louisa and Henrietta. <laughs> Cute. Yeah, just like little cuties who have lots of energy Mm -hmm. i guess i don't immediately go to fanfic (laughs) 
but I'm like, what animals will I get in my future? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I feel like I have no more thoughts about the book. Do you? I feel like Captain Wentworth's letter plays has a lot of weight in how beloved he is as uh, a hero you know as one of the austin yeah. heroes because he doesn't come off super well in certain parts of the yeah. book and we don't even no. get that many conversations from him like we get little things here and there but um you know we certainly don't spend as much time with him as we do with darcy um and yet he's he's like a really beloved like a lot of people yeah. love Captain Wentworth. And I really think it's because of the letter. Like that letter is like 80%. <laughs> oh, totally. Because like for a good deal. And I was thinking about this when reading the last chapters when he's acknowledging what a shit bag he's yeah. been. He's like openly flirting with other yes. girls in front of Anne just because he's mad at yeah. her. It's like pretty and shitty. And almost gets himself in trouble with yes. like a forced marriage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a little hot headed. He can be a little. Uh, but that's kind of hot. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's a, a matter of opinion. <laughs> that's yeah. A I, mean, I mean, it's really shitty of him. But yeah, it does show how passionate he is. But yeah, again, it's um, questionable the actions he's taken. Yeah. Like the whole book, he's kind of being a dick. And and he, this is the thing he, like, that he says. Yeah, it's like he's he's mad at Anne for being for not being that way for not like yeah. just following her emotions and being super passionate and like forget my whole family i'll run away with you and yet we see how him acting in this way is really guiding himself into some trouble yes <laughs> oh. yeah I can't believe, though, that Anna's like, yeah, no, I've been thinking about it, and I th still think I was right to turn you down eight years ago. Like, that <laughs> must have been so harsh for him to hear. Yeah. I think it's, you know, um, you know, I, in one sense, it's like, yeah, I can't, you can't change the past, right? And yeah. so in some ways you have to just kind of like make peace with the past. But yeah, I don't know if I would say that to his face. <laughs> Especially like on day one of your engagement. <laughs> She's like, you know what? I was right. I <laughs> That's something you pull out when he's like done something, uh, you know, left the dishes in the sink, you know, maybe I was, I was right to turn you down the first time. <laughs> When he doesn't load the dishwasher properly. Uh, what is the regency uh, equivalent of that? I don't know. I don't know. But I'll tell you, Andrew is always after me for like how I load the dishwasher. Even though I feel like I'm pretty careful. I don't know. I think the problem is just that our dishwasher is like 12 years old. Mm. Or maybe older. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is a really good point, And I agree with you. Um, my only, I feel like, should we, I have a really random question that really has nothing to do with the okay. book. 
Um, but I've been sitting, I've been going out and about lately, um, which is probably how I got sick. But um, I've been going to a lot of openings and a few art art shows and a f- and quite a few performances. And I was in one a couple weeks ago. And I realized I would have to sit there for like a couple hours, the way the sitting the seating was. And I was bored out of my mind. And all I could think about was trying to escape. And I was wondering, like, it was just like a performance with a bunch of talking and it was just like a little bit boring. And I was thinking like, do you ever get trapped in something and you're like, Oh, this is really boring and I can't escape. And does it drive you up the wall? Oh yeah, for sure. Do you, do you think that is like a normal thing or do you think outsiders (laughs) like have that same feeling? Because I feel like it feels like we're back listening to the speech and I can't leave. Uh, Yeah, that was my first thought, too, when you said that. I was like, oh, yeah, like when you when they said all second gen come up to the front of the stage. And so you're sitting right in the front and you can't leave. And and he's talking for hours. You're like fall trying not to fall asleep. Um, Yes, Uh, I definitely feel that. Yeah, or like those speeches where it's like um, somebody's introducing the next person who's going to introduce this person. Who, there's like ten introductions before yeah. you get to the keynote speaker, <laughs> or they pass and out, or it's one a twenty of the- minute talk. And you're like, oh my god, I can't. Or you pa- they would pass out like when it wasn't like an off the cuff lecture, but one that was maybe for outsiders. Yeah. So they would have a speech I to read, read along, like, yeah, to read along, and they would pass it out in the beginning. And you'd look at this booklet, and you'd be like, "It's fucking thirty pages yes. long. I have to sit here while he reads aloud, like at least thirty pages." And first, you have to get through the five people introducing yeah. each other, and then you know he's going to improv too. Oh my god! And also, his English was so bad that like you would get lost and you would be like sure yeah. you were ahead, and then you would realize like no, you're several pages behind yeah. where you thought you were. We're talking about Reverend Moon for those of us who are, yeah, <laughs> and or his wife or his kids who are supposed to speak. I specifically um, remember I, I think sitting with you in like a women's fed event or something or some you know one of these events where we're all wearing white. And like we were playing the like s- this game where you like scribble something and then the other person has to draw something uh, out of the scribble yeah. um, or just like passing notes back and forth and like tic-tac-toe. I, I have a lot of yeah. memories. <laughs> that's when we're allowed I to like, sit in the back. <laughs> yeah, that's when we're allowed to sit in the back and our parents weren't there because if my parents were there, I had to sit and have my eyes focused on the front at all times and look interested. Yeah. There was no tic-tac-toe in Allowed. And that was when we were like 10 or older, younger than that. We could get away with like not being in the rooms at all because we would go to like the baby room. Yeah. And then. Although I feel like my parents made me go to the like adult room pretty early yeah. on. Unfortunately. Sometimes, sometimes I would. But yeah. if you were not a baby, like you could also just be completely unsupervised and like roaming around in the hallways or wherever, depending on where the speech was. Like we would just wander. Also the baby room was like a hell of its own. Cause it would be like, it would smell like diapers and there would just be like babies screaming their lungs off. And then there would be like, the speech would be blasted in 
And so I just remember like going in there a couple of times and being like, this is like and worse than this. Boring because there were no toys or games or anything. There was no. Oh to my do God. Idea of games being. Yeah, there was nothing yeah. to do. Yeah, it was um, horrible. And then there was also the own special hell of just being in like some kind of random first gen meeting that could also, like, I remember us sitting in like some meeting that was like supposed to be planning a summer camp and where they just like the adults would just start talking about like what they ate for lunch <laughs> that day and you'd be like shut the fuck up please like can we please get this show on the road like i have homework to do right yeah you're yeah. there like on a weekend or something you're yeah. like oh i'm here all day i'm missing out on i like hanging out with my friends or like doing something actually fun and instead I'm or just even like playing outside or yeah just church in general church in general just sucked yeah just hours in LA we had something for a while that we jokingly called parking lot church which is just like (laughs) when you get get old enough and you're like going to college and your parents aren't really around you like pretend you're going to church but you just like never actually make it inside the doors for sure I think people I think outside people absolutely experience times where they're trapped in a situation and they're like oh I wish I could leave but I can't but um yes the feeling is just heightened by our (laughs) numerous experiences I know. I feel like I'm going to have to do a poll of my friends of like how badly that bothers them because I'm sure it does. I was, I was joking around with my friend. I have a friend and we were, we were stuck in a performance piece years ago that again, went on hours longer than we thought it would. And at some point in the evening, people just started streaming out of the performance and it was really awkward because it was like in an auditorium with like a bunch of like it was like in kind of what would look kind of like it was in a theater so there were a bunch of seats and you would have to like get out and like scoot past like 20 people um and at one point like an hour like three of this really 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 long dry as dry as anything performance this guy got up and left and as he turned the corner to like leave his row and go up the aisle, like something happened and like all the change fell out of his pocket and it was like a huge handful of change. And all of a sudden you just like heard bouncing coins (laughs) and he just like looked around and then like booked it down the aisle and just left it. And it was like the funniest thing I've ever seen. We're just like all sitting there trying to be quiet and just being like, do you feel like insanely guilty for like getting up and trying to leave? Like I definitely feel like, Oh, I can't leave. And and kind of freeze I a little usually, bit. Or I used to more. I, I've gotten better at it. Um, you but. know what really bugged me was the fact that my watch is broken, so I couldn't just easily check my watch the other day when I was stuck in an annoying performance. And I was like, oh, I wish that there was like some way where I could like figure out how much time I have left because I know how to go into my brain and just like zone out for a while, but I kind of need to like know how much time I need to take up. It's like that really upset me. 
Um, but yeah, I'm always trying to calculate of like when I when I can leave. <laughs> so yes, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, thank you for validating my feelings. <laughs> so like. This is awful. I've been to some really, really, really great performances actually lately. There's one, and I think he might be, or uh, actually, I don't know what gender they identify as. I think, I think she might have she pronouns. Uh, it's this artist Dorian Wood, and I think they might be based in New York, or they do like some New York performances. But I saw a performance of hers, and it was fucking magical and she had done these like songs and it was I think it was called like cantadas por todos or something and it was like songs for everybody and it was this idea of like I think it was kind of based on like um the idea of like yeah like of like songs and like that have been like kind of like folk songs or songs of like class struggle. And it was so beautifully done. And I told a friend, I was like, it felt like going to church, but like only the good parts. And I've never, you know, when people say like, Oh, I miss church or something. I, I usually don't understand what they're talking about. Cause I'm like, yeah, I was born 99% out Mm -hmm. of the time. Of course I, I do miss like, the food and hanging out with my friends in parking lot yes. church. Although, I mean, like we're talking right now. I mean, like this is essentially parking <laughs> lot church. Like I still have that in my yeah. life. So I don't normally understand it, but just like the idea that like someone created something mm-hmm. that was like meant for everyone to listen and just um, like, to feel seen by was just like so beautiful and their voice is so beautiful and it was just like wonderful so if they're ever in your neck of the woods I would definitely recommend trying to see them perform I will look them up um yeah to that point like for me um because I'm a musician and and singing and music has always been such a huge part of my life and expression like I know that I that was the only reason that I would go for a long time with because I was yeah. able to sing and able to like yeah. perform and do that. And um there's this great there's this great couple on TikTok who are ex evangelicals and they do this bit where they they sing. They were like on the worship team, you know? And they yeah. sing um, these passages from the Bible that are like super dark or weird, but they sing them in the same like style as like a praise song. And it's so good. Oh, it's I like perfect that. satire. It's amazing. Do I have <laughs> to be on TikTok? Yeah. Can you send those yeah. to me? Because I, I don't have TikTok and I don't know how to find them, but I want to watch But it's that. really like, you know, and they'll um, and they'll talk about like, yeah, I, it took me a while to realize that it wasn't necessarily like the praise songs themselves right. that I was feeling these like almost spiritual experiences. It was the music like mu- the music yeah. has this way to evoke these kind of emotions and the way that churches use music as a way to yes. um, to create a certain atmosphere in which you think that you're like receiving the spirit of God or something. But really you can feel that in 
any type of musical performance or great art piece. It's yeah. this this feeling of awe and um, inspiration and and um, emotion that gets stirred in you in this connection. And um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I have heard that from multiple people that they really miss the communal singing mm-hmm. and there's like nothing really to replicate that with in the secular world, except maybe going to like an emo concert and like shout screaming along with the other Listen, fans. I went to a Taylor Swift laser light show here in New Jersey and it was really fun. Everyone was scream singing all the lyrics and it was great. <laughs> That makes sense. Um, I'm really happy for you. <laughs> it's the closest I'll ever get to actually seeing her in concert because. I mean, it is amazing to, to think. I thought you were going to say it's the closest I'll get to like being in church again or something. <laughs> but um, it is amazing that like we grew up with like a back catalog of like probably hundreds of yeah. songs like. That I still, even though I haven't sung some of them for like a decade or two, like I still have them imprinted in my brain. And that's really wild. It is wild. And it does feel like a situation that like unless you grew up really religious or like crazy into music, it's like most of the population doesn't really have Mm -hmm. that. Um, And I feel like what you were saying also points to like the value of art and culture in our life, which I'm always thinking about the fact that like art feels sometimes like people take, I always feel like sometimes people take art way too seriously Mm -hmm. um, and people freak out about things. And I don't know, like have nervous breakdowns about pieces that they're working on. I'm, I'm saying this as if I haven't also (laughs) nervous breakdown, but like, it's not, it's um, sometimes I feel like it's the least consequential thing that we do. It's like no one's life depends on, actually depends on the artwork. It's like, it's not like, it's not like you're a pharmacist or a nurse yeah. or a paramedic or like anything, or even like a teacher or someone like really doing like important work or a social worker. Like there's so many more important positions I feel like in society. Yeah. And art sometimes just feels like, especially maybe I'm just jaded because I've been around artists and musicians for so long. I'm like, you guys are so up (laughs) up your own butts, like calm the fuck down. Um, And that's a kind of side note to my side note, like what I hate about Fleischmann is in trouble because like the the agent was like, I had the most important job and like, this is really important to me. And like, her partner is a doctor right. who like literally deals and with all dying those people. Rich people look down on him for being yeah. just a pediatric, like a, a he cures um, kids cancer. Like really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that being said, I feel like art is what makes us human. And at the end of the day, like, I don't know. I just remember like seeing a, a people I knew online during in the early days of the pandemic, people I knew who like did work on the front lines were like trying to also teach themselves how to draw and stuff mm-hmm. like at home. And they would send me pictures or I'd see them on Instagram or something. And it was like something to do to like make them feel like grounded and connected to people yeah. in a way. And I, 
that really meant a lot to me. And just to realize like art has the ability to make people also more empathetic um, and, and to connect us all and bind us all closer, which I feel like is also a double edged sword where you're like, what am I consuming with this feeling? Mm -hmm. Like what you were saying about going to church and singing these songs. It's like, what is this song making me think it's binding me closer to this, uh, philosophy and like do I agree with right. that because it kind of slips and in and it can make you think like, that it's the philosophy that I'm connecting yeah. to and not necessarily the medium of art that it's being passed through and just like to go along with that I feel like that's why like kind of every work of art and every like artistic gesture is a political mm. act and like you are trying to like you are having people asking people to look through your own worldview. And what is that? Which is why I feel like it is really hard to separate the art from the artist. Sure. And I feel like, as I like, yeah, that's why I feel so conflicted about Harry Potter. Yeah, it's the really end. tough one. It all goes back to J.K. Rowling. <laughs> There's this um, great quote by Tom Waits. Um, and when he's talking about, uh, you know, sometimes he can get very serious about his work and there's a lot of pressure and like you want to make this good or um, and then he he says something like really at the end of the day as a songwriter, what I'm doing, I realized what I'm actually doing is just making jewelry for the inside of people's minds. And like, I love that. It's such a great image. And also it's like, yeah, yeah, jewelry is lovely. We love it. It's nice. But yeah, it's not, it's not like being a doctor. We're not like doing heart surgery here. And so yeah. there's this, this um, idea of like, yes, we value it. We still love it, but you don't have to take it so seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also sometimes the people who do heart surgery on a daily basis need this most almost. And also jewelry isn't just jewelry. It like denotes class. It denotes like it it says something about your personality. It's also like valued at different levels. It's um, yeah. As someone who rarely wears it. We haven't worn our blessing rings for like... Oh, same. Yeah. No. I I feel like there was a point when I left the church for like a year or so after. I was like, oh, but this is still the ring I got married in, so I'll just keep it. And then like, I almost felt like I woke up one morning and I was like, this is a curse. I need to have it (laughs) off of me. And I was like, Andrew, you need to take yours off right now. And it was like this like really like important thing to me that like we don't wear them anymore for me it was slowly and I just kind of uh sometimes they would get damaged or like because I play string instruments I usually I take them off a lot because um when I play they they Uh, get in the way and so I'll end up taking them off and then forgetting to put them back on again and so now I'm left with like just a very very simple like gold wedding band without any jewels or anything on it and that's like perfect for me um yeah i hardly ever wear necklaces i like wearing earrings but sometimes i forget to do that and i didn't get my ears pierced until i was 30 that was like i got did it for my 30th birthday (laughs) i think that's when i got my first tattoo 
it was when I was 30 and I will and yeah Andrew this is so cheesy but Andrew and I are getting like tattoos he already has one it's half made he got and um he, he got it like in the start of the pandemic I think or like right before so it, it still needs a little bit of work done he's just getting back to it did I tell you it's um his is you know the um uh the graphic novel Akira oh I've heard of it yeah well, he's getting the Akira logo, oh. but he made it say Akina. Aww. Both English, because it's like English, it's like English and black block letters. Uh-huh. And then there's like red Japanese characters either behind it or in front of it or something. Yeah. Anyway, it's like a mashup of it. So he translate. he like, he spent a lot of time and got it like translated the Japanese characters to like Akina and then also changed. That's yeah. so cute. That's on his shoulder. And I'm still deciding what I'm getting for him. My, my idea changes like every few months. Yeah. That's so cute. I decided yeah. that I think for my 40th, I would like to. Yeah, it's coming it's up. It's coming up. I would like to dye my hair purple, which is one of those other things that I always wanted to do when I was a teenager and never could. Did you never dye your hair? I like tried to dye my hair when I was in college. Okay. Um, and I just use like box, like red dye, I think, but nothing ever <gasps> no. shows up on my hair because it's so dark. No, I would have so to bleach dark. it first for anything yeah. to really show up. And I was never brave enough to do that. So. Oh, I could also see like a cute like mermaid thing, oh, yes. like where you do like blue to per or purple to blue to yeah. green or something. Get the bi flag colors. <laughs> yeah, you should like. I'm like, yeah, you need to like go to like a good. That's place what I'm planning to do. Done. I'm gonna go to a salon and have it like have somebody who knows what they're doing and like properly, you know, do it. Yeah. Um, so that's surprisingly, my mom was like against. I mean, like. My mom was like a classic church mom and like I had to wear like really baggy clothes and like no makeup and everything. But she like let me dye my hair. I remember I used to be jealous of you dyeing your hair. I was like, and I dyed like every color. Yeah. (laughs) I had bright magenta hair for a while. Um, um, because and I was lucky because my hair was so light, I could kind of dye it whatever color. I dyed it dark red for like a really, really long time or it'd be like almost black. Yeah. Um, but then because my hair was like so light, it would look black in the in the shadows. And then like, but if I went into the sun, it would look, sometimes it would look blonde still. Mm-hmm. It was weird. But sh- her idea was like, she was said that like it was something that could be easily changed so it was okay it wasn't like a piercing or a tattoo or something i'm saving tattoo for 50 i think i'm not quite ready for tattoo i need another decade that's totally fine (laughs) i mean like i said i feel like i got mine i i mean like i don't i really just still have the one or like yeah so um I think it's good to take your time. Mm-hmm. I could see you having some really cute little tattoos, though. <laughs> yeah. This episode is brought to you by Miniature Portraits, the perfect bittersweet keepsake for your loved one to remember you when you cannot be together. Made from superior quality and artistry that will last as long as your love. 
or even multiple ones should you need to re-gift it. Should we do um, our favorite lines? I mean, <laughs> even though we read the whole book, the whole. Also, like, is there any, but like you pierced my soul. I know, soul. we like, read the whole, me. the whole letter, pretty much every line in that letter. I mean, you pierced my soul is definitely oh, tattoo material. True. Half agony, half hope. Ugh. Uh. Oh, I underlined this passage where he's having his little therapy moment where he's realizing, um, he says, uh, thus much indeed he was obliged to acknowledge that he had been constant unconsciously, nay, unintentionally, that he had meant to forget her and believed it to be done. He had imagined himself indifferent when he had only been angry. And he had been unjust to her merits because he had been a sufferer from them. That is some real truth over there. I mean, come on. (laughs) I feel like it makes so much sense for how he was acting. But also I'm just thinking about like how I relate to that sometimes. Like, again, I don't know why I'm talking about the pandemic and art so much, but like in the early days of the pandemic i remember people online who like the art community was like wait does this mean we can't go to our studios like i need to go to my studio i'm an artist this is like why i love to this is why i live is to paint every day and i was like you fuckwads just stay at home there remember the like very early days of the pandemic where they're like don't go outside and it felt like herding cats where everyone was like but i just have to go outside to go to my soccer game and then i'll be inside or like i just have to go outside to go to the post office and then people are like no you have to stay home and i remember being so angry at artists for like breaking the rules to go to their studio because even sometimes if you're like you have a studio of your own, like usually it's in a building with like, and you share a bathroom. And back then we thought like, we didn't know, you know, if it the, could be we didn't know how this was yeah. transmitted. Yeah. And so I like stayed away from my studio for like six months and I thought like I was totally fine with it. I was like, whatever, like I can wait. This isn't so bad. I'll just try and make bread at home, like, and read and I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when I first started going back to my studio, I was like, oh, my God, I missed this so much. And I had no idea how much this meant to me. Yeah. But you just, when you're gone from something, you can just convince yourself that it's fine. Uh, yeah, just like him. <laughs> him and Anne. <sighs> I don't know. I feel like the line where Captain Harville is like, says, poor Fanny, she would not have forgotten him so soon. It's just like such a heartbreaker moment. And then like Anne talking back to him and just saying like, I, the privilege I claim for my own sex is that of loving longest when existence or hope is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Have you been reading or watching anything lately? Um, I started rewatching the X-Files, which has been really fun. It's like a very 
easy thing to have on in the background when I'm like doing other things, but it's also hits this very specific like nostalgia button in my brain that's really fun. <laughs> it's like so yeah. 90s, the fashion, the the cell phones, the like every the haircuts. <laughs> it's just I love it. and it's David Duchovny and um Jillian Anderson just Amazing. the best. <laughs> so that's been that's been a yeah. lot of fun to revisit and also like there's certain episodes that you watch and you're like, ooh, they couldn't make that episode today. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Like I said, I've been watching Gilmore Girls and it's normally like doesn't come off as bad as I would think. Yeah. I mean, there is like a lot of like, like this is a very, very white sure. town and like, what does that yeah. mean? Um, But in the past few episodes, like, They've said gay as a slur. Yeah. Like someone has said gay as a slur. The F word has even uh slur has even been used. Um, and I'm like, oh, oh, like yes, this is very dated. Yes. That and like the feathery hairstyle <laughs> of like the late nineties, early aughts. Yes. Just, yeah. yeah. Also, you know, I would really in terms of X Files, I would love to go back to a time when the biggest and most outrageous outlandish conspiracy theories out there were about aliens. Um, oh my God. You know, good days. When they're not shooting <laughs> balloon aliens from the sky and that's like on the New York <laughs> times. Maybe we're just in a giant X-Files episode right now. Yeah. I mean, if you were to make an, an X-Files today, it would be uh, not quite as charming because <laughs> Because David Duchovny's character would be like uh, a QAnon person. <laughs> I know. Like really it would just be like on Fox or Newsmax and people would just think that it's true. Yeah. You know, they tried to reboot it. They did a reboot. Did you watch the reboot of it a few oh, years ago? No. It was. Who was that with? Um, so Jillian Anderson and um, David Duchovny were in it, but they had two new people. I'm kind of like the younger agents and uh. um, and then they had a lot of guest stars and there were it was only like a six episode like mini series type of thing. And it okay. was like fun, but it wasn't great. And yeah. again, I think you run it, you know, the landscape, <gasps> the politics, everything has changed yeah. so much that it's just it doesn't land the same way. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And so I will say some of those episodes from the right. 90s, like they still hold up as very scary. <laughs> I, I, you know, some of them are you're like, OK, this is a little cheesy, but uh, no, the practical effects and like some of the psychological stuff and the yeah, it's 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 pretty good. Um, my, I didn't grow up watching it. But Andrew, my husband, was able to watch it. But, you know, he was growing up on church property oh. in Northern California. He grew up um, at Camp One Heart at um, Etna Springs. And so it's like this, like, large um, camp in the outskirts of the Napa Valley with, like, it was a resort, I think, in the 1920s. And then it had been, like, steadily in decline for a long time. So it was, like, a bunch of outbuildings. Yeah. 
And so not all of them had electricity. And like, I think the TV was like on a satellite TV, like across the street. So like Andrew would get to go watch it every like Sunday or something. But then he would have to like run home in the like forest in the dark. (laughs) He talks about that as being like pretty scary. Yeah. Like, I don't remember. I I never. I remember it being like my parents watching it, and it kind of being on in the mm. background, and kind of, yeah. sort of knowing who Scully and Mulder were, and like the premise of the show, and like aliens and stuff. But I didn't. I I didn't. The first time I rewatched it, I had like no memory of most of the episodes. It was like watching them for the first yeah. time. Uh, That's how I feel about the Gilmore Girls, where I when Andrew and I. When I first started living with Andrew's family, um, I had never watched the Gilmore Girls, but it was like on sometimes in the background. So now when I'm watching it, it feels like definitely for the first time. Okay, so um, now we have to establish, are you Team Jess, Team Logan, or Uh, Team Dean? So so Logan, I think, is the blonde guy, and he's just gotten introduced. And she's still with Dean, who... Has just gotten a divorce. Yeah. So I am not at the, I don't know if I can make a definitive All right, statement. we'll check back in with you after you've. <laughs> yeah. I am starting to feel like, oh, like the first few seasons were just so lighthearted. Yeah. And now it feels like it's, it's like getting like pretty drama. And I'm like, I don't want to actually have feelings right. when I watch this. Like, I just want it. To say I know, and a lot of it ends up when Rory goes to college, like we follow her to college. You're like, I don't want to hang out of college. I want to be in Stars Hollow. Take me back to the quirky little town with the funny people. Yeah. (laughs) With Miss Patty, like sexually harassing everyone. Like, yeah, just take me there. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been watching that. I'm still reading The House of Mirth, but I keep losing it because I fall asleep while watching it. And then it ends up, the book like ends up in our bed. And then I, kick it off and it ends up in my laundry basket and I haven't done laundry in like a couple weeks now and so I don't know where the book is you'll have to do laundry to find it yeah god I don't want to maybe I should do that next though okay well I guess I think we have one or two bonus episodes that might come out in the next month or so but we also have to decide what we're going to read you next. Will. So. so let us, yeah, let us know if you have opinions on what book we should do next. Yeah. Oh, oh this is the end. We did it. We made it through Persuasion. I know. Now I just want to start either back from the beginning of Persuasion or go back to Pride and Prejudice <laughs> and then read Persuasion again. <laughs> just like keep going through both of these books because I love them. But I also want to read the others. Yeah. This episode was produced, edited, and the music by me, Laurel Nakai. The artwork is by Akina Cox. And you can get in touch with us at JaneAustinCultureNight at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and TikTok at JaneCultPod. We will see you soon, and uh, we'll let you know what book we're doing next. Yay! Are you so sad? Because it's the end. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh. I have an old napkin here for crying purposes. <laughs>
Excellent. <laughs> <laughs>